Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Azul, and Azul was in a toxic relationship with a rage-filled narcissist. It's a story of triangulation, open relationships, creating problems that don't exist, and caretaking. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, I have Azul. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, I want to I want to thank you today for being here. You were dealing with a triangulating narcissist, and it was with someone who was a serial cheater and like infidelity is a big part of of this story and this person uh you know kind of coerced you into a lifestyle that was not for you and today you're gonna you know really tell us a story of your abuse and i'm sorry that you are here to tell your story but you're gonna help a lot of people in the process so thank you for being here and now without further ado azul the floor is now yours. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to be here. Um, the show has been very helpful to me. Um, I'm not excited for the reason I'm here, but I'm excited to share um, my experience and hopefully um, understand myself and my, I guess, my behavior a little bit more and also maybe help someone else in the process because listening to other people's stories stories have been, has been really helpful for me. So I, I'm going to really quickly just mention that I um, come from a very traditional I, Mexican uh, family or Mexican-American family. My parents were immigrants, um, very hardworking people, uh, probably not the most loving and um, expressive parents. And I never really saw my parents apologize to each other or to us kids. Work and work ethic was the main thing is how are you going to provide? How are you going to support the family structure? Um, it was to me. It always felt like I was born to like I was born to to do that to help the family. And I think part of the theory of maybe farmers in some um, some countries is that like you were you were born to provide 
um, in the farm. So, in, you know, I, I was, I, I call myself a very intellectual kid. I love to read. I love to learn. I wanted books. And my parents just found that very strange for them. It's like, no, nope, you have to go wash the dishes, cook for your brothers. I have five brothers. They're all younger. Um, but my mom had three kids um, within two years. So I'm only 10 months older than the one that comes after me. And then he's 10 months older than the one that comes after the third one. So we look like triplets. Um, and I'm small compared to them. They're all boys. But I had to cook, clean, take care of them for, I don't know, quite some time. When I left to college, um, it was a shock to the family. But within what I'm trying to say is that within that, I became an expert caregiver. And ex- I was also really good at learning. So I was able to do both. So I don't know. I became one of those people that could probably take care of a family or my family, my siblings, and do really good at school. So I'm the only one who's gone to university in the whole family and has a master's, um, a bachelor and a master's. Um, and I'm an educator, so I kind of went into the caregiving role. I never quite escaped it. It's quite ingrained in me. So with that being said, um, I now think that most of the relationships I've had, intimate relationships, have been very toxic. I wouldn't really say narcissist because everyone says you can't really diagnose someone unless they go in and that rarely happens. Like the person who is abusing someone else rarely goes in and and kind of is self-aware enough to say, hey, I've been doing some damage. So, But I've been, I think, I know I've been the victim of toxic behavior. And um, I think most of my relationships the ones that lasted the longer have been toxic relationships. So right before I met my most current ex, I'm just going to call him my ex, um, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, So before we get into your ex for one second, what is your, because of the structure that you grew up in of your family, what is your belief about relationships? Well, this is something I've been thinking about more lately. I think my, my, there was this, there's this underlying belief that I heard from my grandmother, my mother, my aunt, is that as a woman, you were born to suffer. <laughs> and, and that breaks my heart. But um, we were, like, basically, my mom said, be strong because you were born. It's going to be tough, basically, she said, and I'm preparing you to be strong. And everything she did was to prepare me to be strong because I noticed that and in her way, it was like, be really good at cleaning, be very good at cooking, be very good at doing things that people will appreciate. So um, there was this underlying, I guess, thought was that you're, you're here for service. Um, and if you don't do it, you're going to suffer. So in a way, she was trying to tell me that if you go through this education route, it's going to be very hard for you. And Part of me is like she was right. It has been really tough. But I think it's because I've been dealing with these two different worlds and trying to enmesh them, and it's been really difficult because I was never really given the skills um, to be assertive. That came later on. Like, I think I'm a pretty assertive person now, but talk about self-esteem, talk about, like, um, assertiveness, talk about communication, um, that was never part of the conversation as a young person. So I think when we grow up in so this belief system that um, 
it's very gendered, I guess I should say, and it's your role is to serve others. Um, and be careful because it's going to be tough, basically. No matter what you do, it's going to be tough. So I think I kind of thought that, but it's pretty ingrained in me, and I have to every day kind of struggle that, like, no, that I, I have the right to have joy. So, so you have to find that joy, and this is a very deep underlying belief, if that makes sense. I don't know if I have to say more about that. <laughs> uh, no, so you have this belief system where you feel you have to suffer, that you are – uh, subservient to your partner, that your needs don't come first? This has been a huge struggle for me because that belief has been there, but I feel like I fought it. Like there's this internalized thing that's like, no, that's not okay. And ever since I was a little kid, I've been known as the, I don't know, they had all kinds of knives for me, like the justice fighter, the tree hugger, the, because I was like, I don't know if it's like this, that's like, no, that's not right. Like, that's not okay. And then I would get in trouble for it. So then I kind of quiet down a little bit. But I would say to my mom, no, that's not okay. That's not something I, you know, my brothers have legs, they have hands, they can wash the dishes. And she'd be like, no, 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 that, but I'm like, but they can do it. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's, it's a hard thing to, it's like this internalized fight where, you know, you have this these standards that your family expects you to do, but then you know inside that, it, it, that you're a little different or like you don't want to live up to that. For me, that's what it was. It, it was kind of like I was constantly fighting, and this is a thread that I would see throughout my relationship. I ended up in relationships where this underlying thought was there too, and I was constantly fighting, but it was almost like I needed it because it felt like home and it felt like I know this. I, I know how to fight this. I really didn't, but it felt safe thinking I was fighting it, <laughs> if that makes sense, mm -hmm. this gender role. So there's this underlying thought of, like, the role of women and, um, you know, and, and I don't know if it's just my very traditional Mexican family, um, the thought that, you know, it's life is hard, especially as a woman, and, and you're going to suffer. And the reality was that that life was very hard for the women in my family. It always has been, um, specifically for those older generations. I mean, they lived in farms where, you know, I think my lifestyle now is, is a huge privilege. And I 100% recognize that I have um, it so much better. Even, but with that, there's been some challenges, mostly in my very personal life, um, because professionally, I feel great. Intellectually, I love learning. I, I still, there's, there's joy for living. I don't think that that is, gonna, there's a spark. Like, I just love where I'm at. I just wish I was a little more balanced emotionally in my intimate relationship. That has been a struggle. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, 
That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And so when I met my current ex, I had just gotten out of um, a marriage. And this is a very um, a tricky one. That my, I had married someone who was from a different country. And once they had their stability here in the U.S., they decided that they didn't want to be married anymore. And it was like a 100% turn. And it was a shock. But at that moment, I was heartbroken. But it was the kind of thing where, like, I realized exactly what's happening. Um, This person wanted to get into the country. They got into the country. They got their documents. And now they're gone. And that in itself is a whole other story. But um, I'm talking... Today, I'm going to be talking about my most recent um, relationship. Um, and so about a month and a half after my um, my husband left, my ex-husband, I met my most current ex on a dating site. And it was uh, like chemistry, like the kind of where you're like, you know, I'm pretty good at like small talk, but I can also go pretty deep really quickly because I, I like conversations and I, I'm chatty and I talk to people. With him, it seems to go pretty smoothly. And he was what you call kind of like a, he just seemed very handsome and smooth and conversation um, was great. Um, and I was there early and I bought myself a drink and he was kind of like, you know, I'll be there soon. He got there late. Let me just say he was late. And I was like, I don't know. He's running late. But once I saw him, I, he was very handsome to me. And um, I say that because when some of my friends met him, they're like, they, <laughs> I don't think they thought he was very handsome, but I thought he was handsome. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. But anyways, um, and we connected. And thinking back now, um I had just broken up and then he came into the room and within like minutes, we're both talking about our breakup. Um, So we were both kind of heartbroken. And this is key because the breakup that he just got out of is, is when I, when I get to the end of the story, it's the breakup that's kind of like going to be a big part of my breakup with him, if that makes sense. Um, So he's telling me about the person that he just broke up with and it's this really sob story about how she just didn't understand him that it was a very bad breakup and he's just heartbroken and i i told him i was going through the divorce and i think he just said yeah get on that make sure that happens but then the rest of the conversation was all around him and this breakup um i don't remember all the details but i do kind of remember kind of going like oh poor guy he's heartbroken Meanwhile, I was heartbroken as well. <laughs> so, but so, how do you feel now in hindsight, going on a first date and your conversation all being about breaking up? It's a huge red flag now um, because really, what it should be, and and. I have gone on a few, it's been six months since the last time I saw um, my ex. Um, and I've gone on a few like speed dates, so fun ones where you just, um, and I made it a point to not talk about my breakup. And if 
someone else talked about their breakup to stop it right there. And it didn't come up. Good thing it didn't come up. But it, it, it's now something that I, I seriously, and, and I'm putting it into practice to see if it's really true that if I can, it hasn't come up in any of the quick, not that I've been dating a lot, but it hasn't come up in the few conversations I've had with people. And I'm glad. But now I see it as a red flag. Whereas before, it was like, oh, poor guy. Um, he needs some support. You know, it's just the mindset wasn't there for me at that moment. Because all of a sudden here, you are in caretaker role. Or kind of right off the bat, would you say? Yeah, but it. I didn't see it that way. I didn't realize it. Um, it just felt like we were connecting. It felt like we were connecting at a level that felt a little more intimate, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. Uh, because this person was sharing something. And from what I recall, I don't think he said anything negative about her. It was just a bad breakup. That's what he said. Um, And, but he didn't ask me about my breakup. He didn't want to that. It was mostly about him. And then maybe some flirty, he was very flirty. And I can kind of that banter, that banter, I think it's called when you go back and forth and you're just, and I enjoyed that. And he also did that. Um, That was fun. Um, So this was the first date. Um, I didn't, like I mentioned, I don't have, I didn't have a car. So it's time to go. I'm a teacher. So I had to get up early the next day to go to work. And I didn't want to have more than two drinks. So I like I gotta go, and he insisted on um, following me, and um, or taking me. And I said, no, no, I'm gonna walk. This is part of my thing. I, I like to walk within city. Um, he said, okay, I'll, I'll take you to the corner, and he did. And then he kissed me. And it, there's very few kisses I remember, and this is one of the ones I remember. So I was hooked. I don't know how to tell you, but I was. <laughs> In that moment, I was already hooked. And it could be that I was i was extremely vulnerable. I know that for sure. But I also felt like he was vulnerable. Um, but he probably sensed my vulnerability and knew what to do. But um, even though I was hooked, um, I said goodbye. We said goodbye. I don't remember texting him or him texting me for about a week. And it kind of just was there. So the relationship... At the time, I would say it was very, like, I was going through a lot. So in my head, I was still going through this divorce. And not in my head. In reality, I was going through this divorce and doing all this paperwork and looking for a good lawyer and um, having to pay for it out of, you know, finding. I had the funds to do it, so I got that. And I think about two weeks later, he texted me and he's like, did you ever find a lawyer or something like that? Because that was the last of conversations. And I said, who is this? And I hadn't saved his number, even though that was a very nice date. I don't think I was definitely felt like sparks and all this, but I think I was also going through a lot with my divorce. So I wasn't going to, on my own, I wasn't going to try to go and follow up with him. I didn't, I should say. So he texted me and I was like, who is this? And he's like, oh, it's so-and-so. And it was my ex. Um, and he said, do you want to go on another date? And I said, sure. He said, um, why don't we go to a park? And he said, yeah, but not so-and-so park. Let's go to this park. I said, oh, that park's near my house. So he picked me up, and we went to the park. And at the park, he got a, you know, it was very nice. He got a blanket. He brought two beers. And we sat in the part of the view. It was a beautiful um, day. And it was, like, um, nice and warm in the afternoon. 
afternoon, and um, he just talked about his ex again and um, about how heartbroken he was and gave a little more details that um, she had broken his heart and that they, um, he just felt really heartbroken and didn't know what to do and was just asked me if I've ever been in love. And I was like, well, yeah, like I've lived, I've been in a few relationships. And he's like, well, how did you get over it? And kind of thing. And I said, I don't know. Sometimes you just have to give it time and process your feelings. And I remember this day specifically because it felt very much like, I remember just going, poor guy, again, poor guy, like he's just really going through it. Um, and then we went to dinner and that was that. There was no kiss, no nothing. And I was like, oh, wow, he just really wants to be like friends or like, you know, like we're connecting. And he texted me and said, thank you for a great time. So I just felt like he was opening up and didn't expect much. So it felt safe. <laughs> and I say that hesitantly because it I, I I hate to think that he was doing it on purpose, but now I think it was all like just if it wasn't him being manipulative, it was him just kind of trying to find a caretaker, like just trying to find someone who would listen to him through a date, if that makes sense. Like I now see um, in retrospect, I now see that it wasn't just someone who needed support because if that was the case, I think you, I think they should have been more like, hey, I just need support. I need a friend. I need someone to talk to. But no, I felt like there was, I don't know. So so what, sorry, so what's happened here? You know, a lot of people listen to the show and they listen for traditional love bombing. And what's happened here is not a traditional love bombing in any sort of way. What has happened here is, you liked him instantly. You had this kind of caretaker thing about you. You feel connected based on shared trauma. And then you go on date number two. And date number two, uh, you know, you feel that he is trusting you as a friend. And on that very friendship basis, you are still connected with him. You still like him, but a trust is being built. This guy just doesn't, he didn't kiss me this time. You know, there's a safety here. This person trusts me with his feelings, with his situation. You know, the first time, you know, we kissed or whatever, and there was sparks there, but here it's, you know, it's been brought down. And now you're being put into this, not a love bomb, but a trust building episode to connect you as far as if he's going to have problems, you're going to be there and you're going to be the one that listens to him. Eventually, we're going to find out that, you know, you're going to be brought back into the romantic aspect of things, but that's going to be your role. You're going to be the triangulating person where he can use you when he needs to, but then he can get emotional support later on. That's what I'm thinking is about to happen here. If that's correct. We will find out. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, um, so this is happening and I'm like, Oh wow. This, 
like you're right. I, I'm thinking he didn't want to kiss this time, and I didn't push it, and that was really nice. And I guess it's romantic in its own way. Looking at the city, you know, you know, this is a city I love. This is where I grew up, and um, it's just it was nice. So I tell him I'm going to be going away for a friend's birthday, and um, it's, it's about a month after that that we see each other again. I think. And I, again, I get this text like, hey, how was your trip? And I was like, um, I was going to L.A. And, and he said, how was your trip? And I said, oh, it was great. Um, and he said, well, why don't do you want to let, let's catch up, let's hang out. But this time in my neighborhood and we do. And this is where um, I meet him. We have some drinks and I go to his house and this is our first sexual interaction. And it's great. It's a great sexual interaction, and I, and, and without knowing, I I feel like I'm I'm trying to set my boundaries with myself. I I but little do I know that I know nothing about boundaries. Like I think, like this is part of the, another thing that was never taught to me, and the skill is just isn't there. Um, so he's, you know, he's like, do you want to? spend the night and I was like no no I want to go home and he's like I'll, I'll give you a ride and I said no I want to walk and I really did want to walk and it was about two miles from one part of the city to the other and he's like no no I'll take you and I said no I really want to walk and then he he convinced me to, to just give him to give me a ride and he gave me a ride and part of me was like oh that's really nice of him to keep insisting it was almost like if he insisted I he cared you know, and there's a whole analysis there, what happened. But but I, I really did want to walk, but because he convinced me, I went with it. Um, th- that's a little thing, but it's little things like that that then kind of like pile up in the experience. Because um, I should have just said, that was a nice experience. I'm going to take a walk and just kind of like, you know, enjoy my night. Um, that, but I didn't. And um, he dropped me off and he... And that somehow that in my head made it feel like he cared <laughs> because he dropped me off. Um, and this was part of the pattern. He would always do things like this. Um, we'll see later on where he, and, and these are little things that I find that are simple things that show that someone cares, which, you know, it's a, it's a simple thing, but in my mind, it showed that, it's care, that he cared. So we are now in this sexual relationship. And this happens. Um, for the next, I would say, three to six months. And it gets a little tricky because, you know, when you're dating, um, there's this whole thing of, like, what are we? Like, are we exclusive? Are we monogamous? Who's going to have the conversation? And part of me wanted to be in a monogamous relationship, but I'm like, I'm not quite ready. Like, exclusive relationship, I should say, or a more serious. But I kept saying, like, I'm still going through this divorce. I'm not quite ready. So there's a lot of stuff going on with within me, I basically hadn't processed my last relationship and hadn't like really healed from that. And I'm already kind of entering this other situation. And I know his history as well, a little bit of his history. He's going through a breakup as well. He's going through some, you know, some stuff there. And this whole, like every time we would meet, it would start out really nice, um, just us. But then eventually it would turn into, 
what he was going through. Never, I would say hardly ever would he ask me what I was going through with my divorce or those feelings or anything like that. It was always about him and his emotional support. Um, at one point, he tells me that he's moving to New York and that he met someone. And of course, I was a little hurt, but I was, because we hadn't had that talk of like, are we exclusive or not? Like, I assumed he was dating, but you know, he's like, sometimes you don't want to bring it up because you don't, at least I didn't want, I should say sometimes you don't, I didn't want to bring it up because I was afraid of like, if I bring it up, then it's either yes, we're an exclusive relationship or no. And then I have to like, you know, talk about, well, this is what I want and not one. Like I had to express some feelings and I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel comfortable doing it because again, I wasn't very good at expressing one, my needs and wants or setting boundaries. Um, so he brought it up and I said, oh, you met someone. He said, yeah, and I'm going to New York. I wanted to let you know just to be upfront. And part of me wanted to say, I didn't know you were dating other people, but I knew that. Like, <laughs> Um, I felt like I didn't have that right to say that to him. And I, and I didn't. I said, okay, good luck. And I was sad. I was heartbroken. But it was like, okay, that was that. And, you know, that was nice while it lasted. And at the same time, we became friends on social media around this time. And I noticed that he's posting pictures with what I think is the woman he went to New York with. And a week later, he's posting photos with another woman. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and um, I leave it at that, and he's posting a lot of photos with this other woman. So there's now two women, and um, I see more with the second woman. And I want to say at least five months go by. And there's maybe a text message here or there, how are you, I'm good, and I'm kind of moving on with my life over here, um, doing some dating here or there, but nothing as in probably not as intense as it felt with, with um, this person. And um, one day I get a text like, hey, I'm in San Francisco. Do you want to meet up? And I was like, what? And I <laughs> got to social media to see if there's any, like, indication of what's happening. And I said, no, I don't, I, social media doesn't, doesn't give me anything, um, any information. And then I say, uh, sure, where do you want to meet up? And he's like, why don't we meet up this bar? So I go. And we meet up and he's like, do you want to, like, we have a conversation and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, do you really want to know what's going on? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? You, you've been gone and, and now you're here. And, and he says, well, I've been living with this woman. And I said, wait, the, the woman you've been living with, is that the same person you told me you had met and you were going on a trip to New York with? And he's like, no. Well, I was on that trip with that woman. I met someone else. And I was like, huh? while you were on the trip with her, you met someone else and you've been living with this other person? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I was like, oh, that seems a little, like, I think I said, like, that's a little crazy. And he got a little upset that I was like, that moved fast, kind of thing. And I said, well, what's really going on? I think I looked at him and I said, what's really going on? And he's like, do you really want to know what's going on? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, she, the person I'm living with right now is from, um, left the Hasidic community um, in her Jewish Hasidic community. She left to live with me. And it's been very complicated. And I was like an Orthodox Jewish 
woman left her community to live with you and now you might leave her because he was telling me that he was thinking about breaking up i said you know how big of a deal that is and he's like yeah it's just very complicated and i said did you not think it was going to be complicated when you met her like (laughs) and he's like yeah it's just gotten very hard and i was like you're taking this so lightly and then I could sense that he was getting upset with me because I was kind of questioning some of these things and I said um well what are you going to do and he's like well I'm going to break up with her and I and he's like I'm here she's in New York I'm here and this is the west coast east coast city and I said does, does she know that you broke up with her like I was confused for her and um so I'm now in the situation where I'm feeling bad for her and I'm feeling bad for him, and but I'm in front of him. And um, and you're right. Like, I become this perfect friend in that moment. And again, while this is happening, I'm becoming emotionally involved again in this story. And it happens so quickly. So here I am. And a few days later, he calls me up and um, he's like, we broke up. And I was like, oh, no kind of thing and he's like can I see you and again we're back into this sexual kind of relationship while he's living in San Francisco again and so um, I have a question yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I think he knew that I was going to jump in right here so he tells you this story of he went with one person to New York you know, to go live with this person, and then it's a completely different story at the end. A new person who leaves the Hasidic Jewish community trusts him enough to, like, leave with him. And now you're his emotional support. Are you – obviously, you're asking all of the right questions, but you still couldn't stop yourself from getting – back into a relationship with him or even, you know, you're listening to him and I'm sure there's a lot of inconsistencies with everything he's saying as far as justifications for certain things, et cetera, et cetera. Cause you're listening from the point of view of, of him, you're his friend. Obviously you feel bad for the other person, but you know, your feelings are aligned in him and you're, you know, maybe glossing over the other things and and it's just kind of flashing by you of the things where you'd be like, Hey, that is not right. What you did there. So when you decide to get back into the relationship, you know, is it pretty much just this, you were hooked from, from day one on this person and you know, you trust this person and then they just kind of said to you all the right things that you needed to hear. Was there like a commitment of like this time it's going to be different? Like I'm in it with you. Like what happened internally? Internally what's happening, honestly, I think it's like, oh, he's back. Like I wasn't quite there thinking about any of this, um, these questions that I should have been asking at this point. At this point, it was kind of like, well, that's kind of a crazy story. That's kind of a crazy thing to go through. I don't think I was as critical yet. Um, I just wasn't there. I think I was a little like, oh, this is 
I was a little shocked and I think I felt a little like that feels unfair to what you did to what happened. I don't think I saw it as what you did. It's what happened in that relationship. I still don't see him, his behavior as problematic, I should say. And I think I was hooked. I was a little, I was blinded, even though there was something that nagged at me that this isn't quite right. I wasn't, um, I wasn't quite questioning. You're right. I was questioning, but I wasn't going beyond the question. It was more like a little bit of like initial questioning, but not quite um, really. uh, Well, there's questioning and then there's accountability. I wasn't trying to hold him accountable at this moment and, and try to get down to it. I just, it was more like the initial beginning of a relationship and thinking um, this person is, still thinking he's a good person, I guess I should say, somehow. And are you getting the exact same feeling that you got uh, when you initially met him and he was telling you about his ex and how you felt then and this, you know, caretaker role, this parental caretaker role, it fits you. And, And maybe that worth that you get from that felt good to be that thing and that just slips you right back in? Definitely. I see it now. I didn't see it in that moment, but I see it now. Um, Like you're his perfect match. At this moment, I am. Yeah. In this particular moment, the next day or the days after maybe, but in this particular moment, um, I say that because I later find out that he was dating left and right and many people. And um, according to him, he's always had many girlfriends. That's just the way it is. I was just one of them. (laughs) Um, But in this moment, I'm his perfect match because, again, he's kind of heartbroken that this didn't work out. You know, Um, it it didn't work out because of his behavior. Um, I later found out it's not because uh, the way I see it is he's always had beautiful, loving people in his life. He messes it up. Um, but we're, he's always the victim, always the victim, um, of, of, but I'm not seeing the pattern. Mm-hmm. If, if you're, yeah. uh, I'm not, not yet. It's been about a year now, I guess, give and take that I know this person. And at one point, um, after this, so again, we're back to this kind of like, yes, we're dating. Um, we're not exclusive. That's pretty clear, um, off and on. And, um, at one point here, I'd like to say that there were some red flags um, when, during one of these times. It might have been before this situation um, with this uh, girl that he met in New York. But he was over at my house, and we had a really nice night. I think we'd gone out to dinner. He spent the night. And he gets up in the morning, and he's like, where's my coffee? And I'm like, I can go get you coffee. I never make coffee. Um I make coffee now because I have a fancy machine that a friend gave me, and I still mess it up. Like, I'm not a good coffee maker. And I said, hey, I can go get you some coffee because my whole thing is, like, I get up, like, really early, get dressed, wash, I wash my face, get dressed, put some, like, very little makeup on and run to go teach middle school. Um, so I would get coffee on the way, and that's me running into <laughs> work with my coffee in hand is like my thing you know I just buy and we we have great coffee shops in my city so I just love the coffee cappuccinos are my favorite 
Um, and I said, I'll go get you a coffee. And he's like, no, I find this really disrespectful that you know I'm coming over and you don't have coffee for me in the morning. And I'm like, say what? He's like, nope, you should know by now that I expect coffee in the morning. And I was like, we've never had this conversation. I can go get you a coffee. Like, I'm willing to just put, like, some slippers on and, you know, like, some warmer pajamas and go get you some coffee. But, you know, I also have to get ready for work and, you know, but he went on this rage about, like, how am I not, this is very disrespectful that he expects me to have coffee for him. Um, he's, you know, his ethnicity is Colombian and co- for, for Colombian coffee is, is the number one thing. And I all of a sudden went to that commercial from coffee from Colombia. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, maybe it's true. Well, I didn't grow up with coffee. My parents never drank coffee. We're more of a tea kind of part of Mexico, I guess. <laughs> coffee just wasn't a big, but I love coffee. And I was like, listen, I'll get you some coffee. But he was already mad. And somehow I became a very disrespectful person in that moment. I can clearly say that was the first time that I was like, what the, like, where did this come from? And it was a rage um, while I was trying to get ready for work. And I was like, listen, I got to go teach some middle schoolers who act just like you sometimes. I am not ready for it. And I don't think he, like, somehow he didn't like my response. And I became a bad person in that moment. And he left really upset. Um, took him a few days to, and, and I was, like, texting and, like, listen. But in my mind, I was like, this seems really odd. Like, that's a really odd thing get upset about um but i kind of went with the flow and i thought well maybe coffee is a big deal and maybe i should have had coffee ready for him you know now that i think about it like it was just so wrong but i was internalizing that like somehow i didn't do a good job of being a host um or a girlfriend or someone who was dating so that was the first rage i would say um and and your first insight into him making up a problem that doesn't exist and your first insight into, you know, in hindsight, looking back, whatever problems he had in other relationships that, you know, if he made this a problem, then the other things he might be talking about weren't really problems and they might be made up too. Oh my. It's like, it's like, you know, my story. <laughs> Yes, there were a lot of more problems that just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Okay, so right after, a few weeks after the coffee moment, um, I believe it was January of 2000, I don't know, the movie Revenant was coming up, and this was a huge thing for us Latinos because the director is Mexican, um, and he's he's been directing a lot of films, and uh, the Revenant, I'm gonna. I can't pronounce the, the word, but it's it's a huge movie. Um, and he kept talking about this movie all the time, like just like look, this is gonna come out. I can't. I'm so excited. The director also directed Birdman, I believe, and um, I think Birdman was. I'm gonna get it wrong, but he he's a follower of this director. Let's just say that a big fan. So he was constantly sending articles and things like that. And, I, and so his birthday was coming up and the film was coming out. And I invited him to go see the film. And he said, no, no, I can't. I don't have time right now. I'm going to be um, working on some projects. And um, 
some friends are coming to visit and I just don't have time. And I said, okay, I will um, text you sometime later um, in the week or the following week to set up some time to go see it. And he said, okay. So I did uh, maybe a, a week and a half later or sometime after. And I was like, hey, let's go see the movie. I, I want to take you out for your birthday. And he's like, oh, I already saw it. And I was like, say what? Again, like this moment of like, and I said, but I told you I wanted to take you out to see it. Like it was my birthday gift to you, and you've been sharing so many articles about it. I felt I felt connected to him through this film because he'd been sharing so many of it. And he's like, yo, I already went to see it. And I think I was in shock and, and upset, and he looked at me and he's like, are you mad? Are you upset about this? And I said, yeah, I am. I really wanted to share this with you because you've been sharing this with me. Like you've been bringing me into this world. And I wanted, I guess I just wanted to share it with you. And he's like, well, you have no right to feel upset. And I was kind of taken aback by that. And I was like, uh, well, I'm just upset because I wanted to share it with you. Well, but you, you have no right. You know, and, and then he insisted that he went by himself. I went by myself to see it, and I was like, I, I don't care who you saw it with. It's that you already, I wanted to, to share that with you. And he went on this tangent or rage again about how I didn't have the right to feel upset about it. And part of me started questioning, like, well, I guess I don't have a right to feel upset if we didn't have, like, a date and we didn't have, like, but I just, it felt very unfair and very, like, yucky. I, I don't know how to also describe it. Like, oh, like, then why share all that if you're not going to, like, why bring me into this world if you're not going to, like, share this with me? And um, it just, it, that's how it kind of was left. I didn't push it, and then he just kind of, like, said that. But it felt very uncomfortable, and I didn't do much about it. So I just kind of left it there. And here's two instances where the first one you were told in a way that you have to be a mind reader of the coffee incident. And now here's another situation where you're brought into the world of this movie. You want to make plans with him about the movie. He says he can't. You respect his boundary, whatever. But, you know, in you're thinking like he can't go. Uh so it's something that you wanted to share with him. He knows this information. He knows this about like your connection with this. And then he goes and sees it anyway and then gets mad at you for having feelings about this, which is in it's a complete contrast to what he was doing, you know. If this was him, he'd be in a rage if if you did that to him. And now, you know, here's a situation where he's making you feeling bad about that. And then he slips up in a way by saying, now we know this because it's in hindsight. And these are the types of people we're dealing with. You know, he says, I didn't see you with anyone, which should be your first red flag to say, oh, he saw this with someone. I didn't know that in the moment. I just didn't. If he, if he volunteered um, that without even... You know, saying it in in this in hindsight, you know that's what he was doing. My my um, narcissist reading has told me that 
they um they they tell on themselves or they you know well anyways yes it was exactly that and it it keeps coming up it's like book textbook um behavior and something so so but i think from my perspective i'm trying to like think about why i was doing what i was doing in the situation right um and i just left it at that kind of like confused and a little like all right, well, that just feels uncomfortable, but I'm not going to push it. What's the use? He's just going to get mad, you know, kind of thing. And so this is now the second incident, I think. And, and now we're, we're we're pretty much in for quite some time. Around the same time, um, actually around, yeah, around the same time, I get invited to a party. It's a dog. It's a dog's birthday. And my friend has a doggy and he's adorable. And I go to her house, and I meet this person, and she looks so familiar. And I'm like, where have I seen this person before? Um, and then she tells me her name. And as soon as she tells me her name, I'm like, oh, my God, this is his ex. This is the ex that he's always talking about. And it makes sense because when he found out that I was a teacher, he was very interested in everything I did and where I taught. And I was like, oh, God, he didn't seem interested in my feelings or like what was going on with me emotionally. But he seemed so interested in my profession. Turns out she's a teacher as well. And we work within the same district. Um, she works in a different level. I teach middle school. She teaches high school. So we, our worlds don't always cross. But in some situations, they do. And it's a small world of educators. And here I am in the same room with her. And I'm like, oh. And um, I knew it was a bad breakup, so I didn't want to, like, bring anything up. And I just met her, and she's a good friend of a friend of mine. So I left it at that. And um because he's kind of upset at me about this movie situation, I don't say anything for quite some time. And, you know, I'm like, a part of me was like, I wanted to call him and tell him. The other part of me was like, I don't know how he's going to take this. But, you know, but anyways, I don't tell him until some time later that I um, have met his ex. And at first he was like, oh, no. And then he wanted to know all these things. And I was like, I just met her, you know, she seemed fine. And actually she seemed like a very lovely person. Um, and he's like, aren't you jealous? And I was like, no, like I, I honestly did not feel anything like that. Um, and I just told him that I met her and that she seems like a perfectly fine person and she seemed to be fine. And I could tell that he was curious, but I just didn't have any much information about this. But then he told me, well, are you going to tell her that you see me? And I was like, no, why would I do that? Um, he's like, well, I think she should know. And I was like, well, what? And then he was like, actually, maybe you shouldn't tell her. Like he kept going back and forth. And then um, this would be something that would come up throughout. Um, I've known him for seven years. This would be something that came up throughout the years. Like, have you told her? Have you told? And then it became, have you told your friend to tell her? Because at one point I said, I'm not her friend. I'm an acquaintance. I'm not going to call her and I'm not going to go knock on her door to tell her that I'm dating you, period. Like, I set that boundary. She's like, well, are you going to tell your friend? 
And I was like, no, I just don't feel like, I said, first of all, it's a little confusing what you and I are. And I said this to him clearly because we're not in an exclusive relationship. You've made that clear. I've made that clear. At this point, I've tried having that conversation with him. And I'm not going to try to confuse someone else with our story because it's confusing to me and I don't want to confuse someone else. <laughs> Confusion is a thread that goes throughout this situation. And, he's, and he then he said, well, just knowing you and just how honest you are and how honesty is a big part of your life and friendships are a big part of your life, I would think this would be something you would share with your friend. And I remember looking at him and saying, I'm not going to share this with my friend right now. Um, things are clearer for me. Maybe I'll share it. But I think this was my first attempt at trying to set a boundary there. He dropped it. That was dropped for quite some time. Um, but this is key in knowing for what happened later on because in, he dropped it verbally, but I think he kept thinking about it. And I now in retrospect am feeling that the reason that he kept me in his life was probably connected to something with his ex and me having a little bit of a connection with his ex. And I think that will make sense tonight. Um, get to the end of the story. So that's dropped. So there's quite a bit already happening here, and I'm still not quite processing it there. I'm not quite, even though there's some patterns starting to emerge, I'm not quite seeing them. So um, he invites me to go visit him in Colombia. While he's in his graduate program, he goes to Colombia on a winter um, and he's able to study from there and take classes and do some research or something. And I'm so excited to go visit him because it's my winter break. And whenever someone invites me to their home country, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be so much fun and exciting. Friends, you know, dating person, whoever. I'm, I just love traveling. It's a big passion of mine. And I think it's so special when someone invites you to their home country, like, I love doing it. I love taking people to Mexico. I don't get that opportunity very long or to my home city here in the U.S. Like it, I think it's the most beautiful city in the world. Um, it's San Francisco, just in case. <laughs> and um, so there's all these text messages. He's not living in my city at this moment. He's living in another U.S. city, and um, he's going to Colombia, and he's going to be there for a month, and I'm going to go visit him. And I'm so excited. And I get there, and um, it's nice. Uh, we have this huge political conversation that, to me, feels like he's raging on me because Trump is just one in our country. And somehow he's really upset, but I feel like he's upset at me. And I'm like, you know, and I was like, what is happening here? Like, I, you know, he was just upset about the election. And I was like, just arrived, and this is what I... I He's talking to me about. And I say, you know, I'm hungry. Can we go out to eat? So he takes me out to eat. And while we're eating, he gets a phone call. He gets up and he goes. He comes back and um, he says, I have to go back to work. And so we finish our meal. And I said, and he's like, you're in Bogota, which is the capital of Colombia. Go and explore. And I'm like, you're not going to come with me? And he's like, no, you go on your own. Go and explore. I have some work to do. And, you know, I don't mind, but, you know, I'm here with someone who I like and, and 
in love with and I would love to spend time with him. But he's like, no, I'm going to, and I understand because he's in grad, you know, part of me is like, I get it. He has a lot of work. Okay. So I go and explore the city on my own. And then while I'm there, I get these text messages and he's like, can you find me these two books? And I was like, huh? <laughs> and he's like, I need these two books. So after I do a little bit of touristy things, I, I literally go to like five bookstores trying to find these books. I find one and the other one, they're like, that's an obscure like poetry book from like some century ago. And I was like, I don't know, this is what he's asking for. So in retrospect, I spent half of my time in the city looking for something that he asked me to do and not enjoying like touristy sites. And he wasn't there, but somehow he still like had a task for me. And a little like control, I guess. Yeah. Well, all of your stories so far are about you know control. You just don't see it yet. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so I get home to his home in this beautiful city of Bogota that I wish I I. Oh my God! I was in a new city and I wanted to go see it. And um, he's like, let's take a nap. So we take a little nap. And then it's literally like 10 p.m. And I see him getting ready. And I'm like, oh, are we going to get ready to go out? He's like, no, I'm going out. And I was like, huh? He's like, I have something to do. I'll be right back. You're, you know, you're jet lagged. And I was like, actually, I, it's like I'm in a new city. Can we go out dancing? Let's go clubbing. You know, at that time, I still had energy for clubbing. <laughs> And I would love to go out and do dance salsa or, you know, vallenato or, you know, I know all like the dances from that. I'm a huge dancer as well. So this is like something I want to do. And he's like, no, I have something to do. I'll be right back. Um, see you later. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's a new city. It was 10 p.m. It's, you know, I've read, I'm new. Like, I'm just not going to go venture out into the city. And I'm a little hurt, to be honest. I'm like, okay, well, he doesn't come home till 3 a.m. And he comes home and um, he had ordered me some tacos and I wasn't very hungry. And part of me was like, tacos in Colombia? I don't know. I, I trust these tacos. So I didn't quite eat them. But he came home at 3 a.m. and ate my tacos. And I remember getting up and being like, you're eating my tacos. And he was so drunk and smelled like tobacco and I was like, Did you go out? Like I know what it's like in a Latin American club. Like people smoke like crazy and I dance and he's like, Yeah. And I was like, You're so drunk. So I, I realized he was drunk and I did I left it at that because there's no use in arguing or trying to like get information or even talking to someone who's in that situation. So I just dropped it. And then the next morning I get up and I'm like, I wanna go see the city and he's so hungover. He can't do anything. And I was like, bye. And I, I'm used to traveling on my own. I went to Japan on my own. I, I do things on my own. And I was like, this guy's not going to stop me. I'm in a new city. I'm going to go. So I'm doing my thing and I'm having a great time. I went to um, a few like key touristy spots. And um, by the end of the day, I get this text message. And it's like, uh, Asu. Um the girl I was out with last night hasn't texted me back. 
and I'm really worried about her because this is a dangerous city, and I left her on her own, and she's just not texting me back. And again, I'm like, what? <laughs> and it just, I, I felt like a drop of, like, energy right away. Like, my energy just dropped. It, I wouldn't say, like, my heart dropped, but my energy. And I was like, ugh. Like, what is going on here? Like, I just had this great day. Um, and, and I'm like, why is he telling me this? Like, why is he? He's got to know that this is hurtful. And then I was like, wait, were you on a date last night? And he said, yes. What did you think I was on? And that's what he said. And I was like, I didn't think you were on a date. I it just did not cross my mind. And he's like, wait, are you mad? And I was like, yeah, I'm mad. I'm here visiting you in your home country. And this is the first time he said, well, you're not my girlfriend. And I said, I'm a friend visiting you in your home country. I came to see you. Well, what did you think I was supposed to do? I've been here for a month. And I can't be by myself. So, yeah, I was on a date. And I said, well, she probably realized you had someone at home and got upset at you. And you know exactly why she's not talking to you. What I realized now is in that moment, it switched from me being upset to me justifying why she was upset and then taking care of him. Um, because my anger, I was in a tricky situation. I was with him. And at this point, I'm back at his house and we're in this argument or this uncomfortable situation. And I'm like, I came to visit you. And even if we're friends, you take pride in your city and you take your friends out in the city you're in. You don't schedule a date the night your friend arrives, assuming we're just friends. But we're more than friends, you know? And he then went on this rage about how I don't have a right to feel the way I feel and that um, it's just the way it's going to be. And now I'm here in this foreign country um, not knowing, like, what to do next. I felt kind of stuck where I was like, he's right. Like, what am I, I going to do? I'm not going to find a hotel. And it was a very short trip. It was three days or four days. And I was like, let me just get through this. Let me just get through this and get back home because uh, I don't understand what's happening here. And it felt cruel at that moment. So that was the first time where I was like, this is it. Because <laughs> your argument, which was even on a basic friendship level, this is extremely disrespectful. And I, that's a great argument to make that even, you know, even though they're not going to even listen to your logic, but your logic is even if this is just a friendship, you don't do this to a friend. Like, that's really disrespectful. And, you know, to be now in that situation, just, uh, it's just heartbreaking at that point because of the disrespect of how you're being treated and how you're, you're not even being seen as a human with feelings and that your feelings don't even matter.
this person has patterns now that are identifiable, that your feelings don't matter at all. They can do whatever they want to do and that there is zero respect for you as a human being. Obviously, that might be troublesome and you'll find your way back. But, you know, at this point, it's pretty well established here that, you know, that's the kind of person he is. So I definitely am starting to see the pattern, but it's not clicking. You know, I'm like, I see it as situations like this happens and that sucks. And then this happens and that sucks. And then this happened and it made me feel this way, but I don't, I'm not connecting them yet. Um, and I, I was really heartbroken. I really was. I left and I was like, never again. And I stopped talking to him for quite some time. Um, and he would reach out and I would be kind of cold. And then finally he was like, listen, I know that what happened. He never apologized, but he's like, I know that was hard. He, said he would always say something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or, no, never, I'm sorry I did. But in fact, later on, in retrospect, I would talk to him about it. He's like, yeah, I even thought about bringing her home. And I was like, I was there in your home. He's like, yeah, but I thought, like, he would, in, in moments he would get mad at me, he would say things like that. And I'd be like, this was towards the end, the downfall. So he would find any little thing to, like, kind of bring it back. So I, now I know he knew what he was doing and just didn't care. But in the moment, I just, I just was not there. And I think when I, at least when I'm heartbroken, I can't think beyond the heartbreak in that moment. I'm stuck in that process. And so that happened. And then I want to say a few months went by and we reconnect and he's like, hey, I want to come to your home city and um, for winter break. And I'm like, Sure, but I'm not going to be here this whole time. Like, I was, like, living my life, right? I had planned a trip to Chicago, a new city for me. And I was excited. I said, you can come for Christmas and um, possibly New Year's, but I won't be here for this time. And he's like, okay. And he's like, can I stay with you? And I was like, okay. I hadn't seen him in quite some time, so we're reconnecting. And I guess I had amnesia or something. I kind of forgot about the pattern. Um you know, you can kind of see there's a pattern where I'm not really, I might be aware of how I'm feeling, but I'm not really taking steps to protect myself. Um, it's always other people I'm thinking about, uh, not quite myself. And this is something that I'm trying to work on. But I'm here. He comes over. We have, you know, a great time. You know, it's nice. We're reconnecting. And I feel... I'm glad to see him. We have a nice Christmas dinner. I get up the next day to go to Chicago. Um, I, ha I have a great time on my own. I'm a solo traveler. Like, I just have a good time. I have no problem meeting, chit-chatting with people, trying new foods. I did a whole food tour. I did different tours in Chicago, sending him photos. He's sending me photos. Well, it turns out that while I was gone, and probably while I was still there, he was dating nonstop. I get back from Chicago. Um, we go out to have dinner. And right after dinner, he runs. Um, he, he says, I, I have to go to a different city. And I'm like, what? Okay. 
So he leaves and he spends the night somewhere else. And I was, he'd just been with me. Like, you know, we had um, a sexual relationship. So we had, we had just had sex and we had had dinner and then he went to meet someone else. I later found out that he went to meet this person that he felt connected to. And when I found that out, I was like, wait, you were with me and then you stayed at my house and then you went on a date with someone else and and you stayed with them and you're now in an exclusive relationship with them <laughs> like this all happened really fast all within that week um and he's like yeah i have a girlfriend now and i, I was just like I, and i said why did you even reconnect with me did you need somewhere to stay like did you not have enough money to pay for a hotel or did you like I don't get it what was the need for you to like come to my house and stay with me and go on dates and then meet someone and what is this that you're in like it was just mind mind blowing and again I didn't speak to him probably for another 10 months so there's a huge um, time span between um, this last breakup and my and then during this time my dad is diagnosed with cancer and I go on sabbatical and I start seeing well there's two things that happen my dad gets diagnosed with cancer and COVID-19 around this time um, starts happening but he was diagnosed the year before COVID so he's diagnosed and I start like becoming a huge, uh, I guess I always have been a caretaker and I'm taking time off from my work at this time to drive up three hours north and take him to um, medical bills, talk, um, sorry, medical appointments, talk to the doctors. Um, their English is good, but you know, in medical talk and, and if it's not your first language, it's really hard and also for support. And me and my dad have always had, like, a very, like, it, our relationship got better with time. Um, but when I was a kid, it was it was just hard. It was a hard relationship. And he was a rager. <laughs> he, he loved to just rage. Um, it's the way he communicated. So, again, this behavior is not, it, it's, it's familiar to me. Not that I like it, but it's familiar. Um so I'm taking care of my dad and things are really stressful. And I post something on social media about my dad's health. And this is what instigates him reaching out to me after maybe a year or so of not talking to each other. Um, and he seems really worried and wants to know about what's going on. And um, is trying to reconnect and, I guess it's the hoovering, what we call the, the, the get you back kind of thing. And I, uh, we do, we reconnect. Um, and so, so, so just, so, so just right here, I just want to point out that you're in a very vulnerable state. You are dealing with family stuff. You're very overwhelmed. Most likely your life has stopped. Here's an opening for this person. He walks into the opening. He says all the right things, most likely. He's now offering probably you 
emotional support during this time. You're long distance. It's easy to offer emotional support in comparison to being in the physical place all the time. So he's doing uh, that and boom, you're reconnected. He's back. So in one of these situations, he's visiting his, his girlfriend that he's been in a relationship with and he, um, we've reconnected. But what's really interesting, he, he did support, uh, provide some emotional support, but what's interesting, he's now telling me about how bad his relationship is with his current girlfriend. And part of me, honestly, was feeling like, I told you so. Like, why would you, like, he's, I, part of me feels like, oh, he's reconnecting with me. I would be a better girlfriend. Like, there's that little, like, thing, like, <laughs> you should have just stayed with me this whole time, which is not healthy and it's not, you know, but that's how I felt in the moment. Like, you should have never um, gone with her. and actually telling me very intimate things about their relationships and this person, like she has an eating disorder. She's got, that he thinks she's, um, has not bipolar, but he used some therapy, um, borderline mm-hmm. personality disorder and that she's got all these issues and, um, writes about suicide. And I was like, Oh my God, like there's a lot going on. But the thing here is again, He's now taking care of someone, and he becomes the victim, and I am now taking care of him. Plus, I've got this going on with my father, my family. And it, it, it spirals into me becoming his support, because eventually he breaks up with this woman. And the story I get is that she didn't want to make soup for him. So he got mad and left. And I'm like, what? That's, well, there, I said, there's got to be more to this. Like, that's not the reason you broke up with her. So then he, he digs deep, a little deeper and he tells me what's going on. He's like, it's just too much. Like, her emotional state was just too hard for him. And, um, and that um, he really thought that this would work out because, you know, she's, um, I'm older than him. I'm. 48, he's 39, and she was younger, and he wanted a family. In that moment, he said he wanted a family with kids, and he thought that he could have that with her. And I was like, yeah, but you can't just instantly create that. Like, that takes time. In my head, I was thinking that. And that he saw that it just wasn't going to work out. And um, But the reality here is it was probably just over soup. That You're probably right. I will never know. Exactly. But I can tell you from from my experience what some of these things, like, it probably was about the soup because some of these things that he would get upset about. So I'm back into this sexual relationship, emotional support relationship with him. And um, a few months go by, and it's long distance because he's back in his city now, and he's not coming as often because he doesn't have a girlfriend to visit here. I'm going to visit him in his city because um, I have time and I have the funds and I enjoy it. And it's, you know, in re- it was nice in retrospect, but there was always something that came up and that I think about. Like he would create 
problems. Like in one of my visits, she got all emotional. This isn't in the notes, but this is something that I thought about. She got all emotional, and um, I was going to go on sabbatical. I was going to take a year off. Um, this is before COVID. I was going to take a year off, and I got approved, and I get some funding from my district to go enjoy myself and relax and come back refreshed to work because teaching is hard. So I was going to take a year off and I was going to go live in Italy. That was my plan. Um, and again, I just love traveling. And he looked at me in one of my visits. I was there with him and he sat me down. And he said, I'm very worried that when you go to Italy, if I come visit you, you're not going to pay attention to me, that you're going to be dating other people. There's something I saw a spark in your eye that you got really excited about going to Italy and you're going to leave me. And, and I'm looking at him like in my head, I'm thinking kind of like what you did in Colombia. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just, and he started crying. And I was like, what makes you think that? Like I have never talked about Italian men. I don't know any, I mean, if I'm, I believe I'm free to date because of your, you and our situation. But if it does come up, I will tell you. But that's the last thing I'm thinking about right now. Um, I'm thinking about my father. I'm thinking about, um, you know, finding a place to live in Italy. I'm thinking about, can I afford? Most, the main thing I'm thinking about is, will I be able to travel with my dad being sick? Because he was not doing so great. And here I have this man crying over something that hasn't happened and I haven't even thought about. And and he turns it into this big thing. And I'm just like, oh, my God, Like, how do I take care of something? Um, so that was an interesting thing when you mentioned, like, creating problems that don't exist. This was another example of that. And it was kind of like setting me up um, to possibly not go to Italy. So that happened. And that, like I said, you're, I'm, I'm kind of setting up. And I'm starting to see the pattern now. So my dad is really sick and COVID is now in full blown. And I get this phone call one day and he's like, Asu, how do you feel about um he doesn't say open relationships. He says, how do you feel about taking a trip with you, me, and another woman? And again, I'm like, huh? <laughs> Where is this coming from? I said, you mean like an open relationship? He's like, I'm not quite sure about that. I said, um, I don't know how I feel about that. I have to think about that a little bit more. But he didn't like my answer, I guess, and he got really mad at me. Two days of not talking, three days of not talking to me. After that, I go visit him, and um, I sense something is happening, like something different. And I don't know how to explain it besides, like, there's just a different feeling. Turns out there's been someone living in his home. They just weren't there, but I could sense it, and I could feel it. There was something off. And I bring it up to him, and he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, no, there's something weird. But I couldn't, you know, prove it or I couldn't do anything. And at this point, I um, I don't know, I'm helping him clean or something, and I, I find a note, and um, it's written to him. And 
I'm sorry, but I was too curious. I opened it up and I read this letter and it was a woman kind of saying how much in love she is with him. And the way she described him, I thought she was describing a totally different person. Like his spark for life is like um, just joy and his like, I don't know. She was using words that I was like, oh, my God, who, who is she talking about? <laughs> but it was about him. And I was like, how do I bring this up to him? Because I now have this information. And um, but I did. I brought it up to him. And I was like, what's going on? And he's like, she's not important. And I said, well, it looks like she's important. And he was upset, of course, and told me that she wasn't important. But then within the same day, he said, I'm thinking about moving in with her. And uh, I was like, you just told me she wasn't important. And now you're telling so what's going on here? He's like, well, she needs a place to live. I have a place for her. She can live here with me. It's going to be temporary. And and I said, what about me? And he was like, well, you're still important in my life. I want you in my life, and I want her in my life. And I said, so this is an open relationship? Is that what we're talking about? And he'd be like, well, I don't really want to put labels on it, but I guess that's what it is. And he said, but I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know what's going to happen. And confusion is what's going on in my head. And part of me is like over it. And the other part of me is like, I don't know, but I'm in, I'm enmeshed. And my dad gets really sick around this time. Um, and I left it at that. Like I didn't push anymore around that. But to this day, that letter still throws me off because I then realized that he was a different person with her than he was with me. And I realized it was the love bombing. Like she got like a full on love bombing experience with him. And I got more of the emotional connection, if that makes sense. Because the way she was describing him in that letter just seemed like a completely different person. And um, I go home and I'm, the only way I can describe all of this is just numb. I was numb for quite some time. I think it was the only way I could survive. And some time goes by, and it was last Christmas, about a year ago. Um, he says, I want you to come, and I want you to meet this person. And I didn't know that they had been living together this whole time. I thought that she had stayed with him and then found her own place. And then, um, because to be honest, he was showing me photos of his new home and he said, this is where I live and this is where I take a bath. And he never said, this is where we, or this is where we, like, it was always me, I. So, and he never said I moved in with her. He just said, we're in an, like, I'm dating two different people. So in my head, and I think I wanted to believe it, honestly, I, I, I didn't push it. I didn't challenge it. I thought he was just dating both of us, not like full on living with this person. He said, I want you to meet her. And I was like, okay, so this is really an open relationship. And um, so he also 
asked me to read a bunch of books on open relationships, which I had already done. And I said, I already have, and I think I'm okay with it if it's a really open relationship. Um, and I thought it was kind of exciting too. Like, well, this is, <laughs> this is kind of neat. I've never done this before, but it was never healthy to begin with. It, in order for this to work, you have to be really good at communication and a healthy relationship, but it just wasn't, it, it, it wasn't a good situation. I'm not seeing it or I don't want to see it. I should say. So I, I agree to it and I'm going to go to their city and I'm going to go meet her. And I do, I go and I meet her. Um, well, the night before he picks me up and he takes me to a hotel and he tells me, listen, you're going to meet her, but she's very sensitive and you have to be very careful. She thinks you're trying to take me away from her. And I was like, I thought everyone agreed to this. Like, I thought we were all on the same page. He's like, well, we are, but she is just a very sensitive person. She's more insecure than you. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? And, and I got kind of upset and I said, listen, I thought I was walking into a situation that was going to be safe for me where we could all openly talk and be in this situation, but this sounds like I'm entering into something that might be potentially hurtful to her and hurtful to me. And he said, no, no, we're all on the same page. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Um, it's just, and I was there. So, um, so I do, I go meet her and she's 23. Um, beautiful girl, but looks, I, I don't know how to describe it. She just looks like a deer in the headlights, like just excited and happy and sweet, but with like big, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, she get, and I was like, uh-oh, the feeling I got was like, uh-oh. And that she seems to like follow him around everywhere and was very touchy-feely. And I don't know if it was because I was there or if this is the way their behavior with each other was always like that. And I was just like, this is really uncomfortable. Like, I'm just, this is my first time where I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? What am I doing here? Um, anyways, that happened. And my dad has a stroke during this time. So I... As weird as that is, it gets weirder because I shut down. Just, it's a blur. I leave. Um, it's a really, that was really weird, but now I have something else that's on my mind. And my dad becomes 100% of uh, what's happening. This was about a year ago. My father passes away. Um, it's a big crisis. Um he does support, he sends flowers, and to this day, I hear about how supportive he was because he sent flowers. <laughs> the only time he's ever given flowers, but according to him, he was a great boyfriend because he sent flowers during that time. And I was like, okay. Um, so that happened. Three months later, I was invited again to the household. And during this time... I get these messages like, I don't know what to do. It's really hard to live with her. Um, she's 
her emotionally, she's all over the place. Um, we fight all the time, but I can't leave her. She comes from a very traumatic background. Um, she never went to college. She has no money. She was an Instagram model. He asked her to stop modeling because she's controlling. And she has no funds coming in. Um, and she's really hard to control. Like, her behavior, her personality is all over the place. And he doesn't know how to break up with her. I'm hearing this constantly. And I'm like, I don't know what to do because I have some other things going on. So I just let him rant. So, again, I'm a supportive person. But all I can do is really listen. And the few times I challenged him and be like, you need to break up with her or this isn't healthy, this isn't okay, um, he would get really upset at me. And I go back in March, and this time the feeling is weird. It's off. It's like she's upset, and I'm not quite sure if she's upset at me or him, and um, she's not as friendly. She wasn't mean or anything. It was just her demeanor was a little different. And he takes me out to lunch, and he tells me that they're having a hard time, and um, we start talking about movies again. And he tells me about the latest Woody Allen movie, and I forgot the title, but it, the storyline is um, that there's an older man that falls in love with a younger lady. And their, their age discrepancy is about 16 years between my ex and the person that he's triangulating me with. Um, it's a full-on triangle. So he tells me that um, this movie is very similar to their life and that I should watch it. I watch it. Um, it's a weird movie. I, I'm like, I don't like Woody Allen. He's a big Woody Allen fan, and I just find Woody Allen disturbing. There's also that documentary about Woody Allen out at the time, and they, they're talking about it all the time, those two. And I'm just like, Woody Allen is a creep. I don't like him, and I believe the documentary. And they're like, no, no, we, they're, they're challenging the storyline. She agrees with whatever he agrees with. I'm the only one who's kind of like, no, he's creepy. That guy is weird. He's creepy. Um, I watched the film. Uh, we go out to dinner. He asked me, is it okay? Because we were supposed to, this was my time with him, apparently. But he says, is it okay if she comes along? And I'm like, like at this point I'm like I, I sure she can come along and in the middle of the dinner he asked me what did you think about that film and I was like I thought it was okay and he's like no what did you really think about the film and I start talking more about the film and, and she's like wait is that the film where with Woody Allen and um that Woody Allen directed with I don't want to go too much into the film. And I said, yeah, this happens and that happens. Well, she got really upset. And um, he asked me, I responded. I didn't bring up the topic. And she got really upset that I didn't know that. She just got really quiet. And we had the dinner. The next day, I do something like I hand, like we're in the car. We went shopping. We're in the car. And he asked me to. He wanted a kombucha, <laughs> and um, he left it in the back, and he wanted me to grab it for him. And I had broken this arm a few months earlier, so it's not as strong. So I tried grabbing it, and I ripped the bag, 
And he got really, really mad that the bag ripped when I was trying to grab the kombucha and just went on a rage. And finally I said, do you really think I had bad intentions trying to grab the kombucha? Like I did it on purpose. It's like, I just can't grab it. It's in the back seat. And he said, you know what bad intentions are? Bad intentions are what you did last night. And I said, what did I do last night? Last night you talked about the film. And I said, but you asked me about the film. I was responding. Well, you didn't have to respond the way you did. I said, well, what was I? You said something like it recommended that I, that I watch that film. And um, I said, but you did. I said, well, why'd you have to say that? Because now she's really mad at me that, um, that you watched that film. And I said, what? And I finally said, if you two have some insecurities about your relationship, that has nothing to do with me. This sounds like something that you and her need to work out. I don't understand why, what? And he raged and yelled at me for, I would say, two hours. I packed my stuff and was ready to go, went to knock on their door, and they were, like, cuddling. It didn't look to me like anyone was upset, but I was upset. And that turned into a whole ordeal. I left. Fast forward. He's now living in my city. There's still some triangulation, but it's not good. Um, it's getting tougher. At one point, the girlfriend, the person, he, he brings her to, to the city, to San Francisco. And um, I'm really upset that she's here, but she's here. And our relationship is really rocky. We're about, I think, we're in the process of breaking up. And I get this phone call. You need to come over. Um, something's happened to so-and-so. And it turns out that they had gotten into a big fight, and she was trying to hurt herself. Um, and I, just to make it short, calmed everyone down. I became literally the person that took care of everyone, him and her. Police was involved, everyone. I made them soup that night <laughs> and took care of them. And this is where it clicked for me. And like, there's something very wrong here. This is so toxic, not healthy. And anyways, fast forward, I told him, this is really hard. I can't, this is really unhealthy. And he just said, it's the way it is. A few weeks later, my friend calls me and says, let's go on a hike. This is a friend who knows his ex-girlfriend. And I say to, I say yes to the hike, and I tell him I'm going on this hike with my friend, and I'm going to share this information now. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I did. And um, I share the information with my friend. I say, hey, I'm dating someone who your friend so-and-so dated. And she's like, oh, that's interesting, because I don't remember her saying anything about this person in particular. And I said, okay, fine, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm dating this person, and it's, you know, it's a little hard right now. It's an open relationship. It's a little rocky. I just told her, without giving her details of what was happening, and I left it at that. But that night, I got um, a text message from her, and it said, listen, um, I do remember more information now. 
um, I'm not going to tell my friend about this because he, that relationship ended really bad. He hurt her extremely. Um, it was extremely, he was extremely hurtful towards her towards the end, accused her of cheating, accused her of, um, called her horrible name, called her an idiot, um, and it just hurt her really bad towards the end of their relationship. And um, she saw signs of him being controlling and manipulative throughout the relationship. I responded saying, thank you for the information. Um, I'm going to bring this up with him because he wanted me to share this. And um, I hope that if I see some of these red flags, I'm able to deal with it, which I had already seen these red flags. So I was already protecting him in a way. <clears throat> and I said, I haven't had that experience in, same, in terms of the name calling, which is true. I had not been called with name. Um, I bring it up to him. And he gets really, really upset. Demands that I show the text messages. I do. And um, I am blamed for everything because of my response. The issue is not that he was potentially toxic and harmful to his ex-girlfriend. The issue is the way I responded. I didn't defend him enough. He calls me weak. He calls me a weak link in his life and that I am not someone he wants in his life and that I need to get out because that is not the way you protect someone you care about and that I did it all wrong. <laughs> and that's the end of it. Um, I get up and just leave. Like, there's no tears, no nothing. I'm in shock. I just get up and leave. Two months later, he calls me and says, I want to talk. Sends me some Leonard Cohen um, music, which is what we connected on, and says, what would Leonard Cohen say about this? And I don't, I don't know what he would say. Like, but anyways, I agree to go talk to him, thinking, like, maybe, maybe. But he rages at me for another two hours. As soon as I said, I feel... He said, you don't get to be the victim in this situation. You are not the victim. He said, I am the victim. And I said, I said, why did you invite me to your home? Did you invite me to rage at me, yell at me? He said, well, what did you think I was going to do? I said, I didn't think you were going to do this. I think we were going to try to solve a problem. But what was, you know, my problem is I think there's hope and, and people can think better but so then I got up and left again and before oh, and he wanted me he said in order for you to be in my life you have to go back to your friend and ask more questions about how I was being abusive to my ex and clear that up and I said before I left I got my stuff and I said let me be clear you want me to go back to my friend and ask more questions about this situation and basically clear your name you want me to do that? And he said, yeah, but you can talk to me in the meantime. And I just left. And that was the end of that. To this day, I have not responded to any of his text messages or that was it. It clicked in that moment. It sucked. He was looking or is looking for a completely subservient human being 
who he can cheat on, do whatever he wants to do. He can yell at, he can scream at, but at the same time, he wants that person to be completely infatuated with him, just like that younger woman that he's dating, except he doesn't want that person to ever talk back. He wants a mind reader. He wants anything to be completely subservient to him. Before I said you were a perfect match, you're not a perfect match for him, you know, because uh, like in, in, in the whole like um, human magnet syndrome, you had certain parts here that, you know, might have been okay for what he was looking for, but you, you were too much of a, a fighter uh, or someone to question him for this to go on. The fact that you guys were long distance all the time was, this would have probably been over way faster if you guys were in the same city. But because of the long distance aspect of everything, this carried on for a longer period of time because you weren't in it every single day. And so that, I think that played a big role of why this went on for such a long time. And you shouldn't feel uh, embarrassed or, or shame or guilt about it. I mean, you were dealing with someone who was a real good manipulator, knew how to twist things. And then the distance played a big role of being coming in and going back. You know, your dad's health played a big role in, in, in making his way back. And, you know, you're out of it and you should be proud that you're, you're out of it, uh, that you got here. And I'm proud of you. So you, you did, uh, with your skills that you had, you did the best you could. And now you're here and now you're healing. Oh, I appreciate that. It's been so hard. Um, I mean, part of it is I'm, it's hard to explain. Is it grieving my father, grieving the relationship, grieving um, what I thought it was? It's all mixed in. But there's something that clicked, I think, when my father passed away. And it was like, no. And, and the sound to leave but part of me is like, my dad can see everything I do now. So if he's mistreating me, he can see that. And he's not going to like it. So I think there's something where I like, this is not okay. And I still, I mean, to be honest, I still think about him a lot. I still worry. But it's, I have to like, think about it and be like, nope, it's mostly about me. I have to worry about myself. And it sucks. It's, the healing is not easy, but it's happening. I can feel it. I'm going to be a therapist this afternoon. Um, and the better health therapist, um, I had someone right when it happened, and he was, he was so good. And I say that because I've had therapy before, but it was, um, he was the first one that said, you were abused. He was an expert manipulator, um, and he was grooming you, grooming you to to behave in certain ways, and you still fought it. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but that was like, did I really have to go through this process? Like, it, it's really, it feels unfair, but it, it's the reality of what happened. Um, but yeah, it sucks. It. it it really does, but I don't know. I think 
it, it's been very helpful to hear other people's stories because I'm like, oh my God, I can relate to that or I understand exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And um, it's, it's a process and I'm willing to go through it, <laughs> but it's, it's tough sometimes. So if you have any words of wisdom or advice for everyone listening, what would it be? Oh, geez. Um, be patient with yourself because it, like I said, it, it, I'm going through it and it's quite tough. And you have to be kind to yourself. And um, I think definitely uh, listen to your gut and I know this is hard, but when you're going through it, uh, learn, just be patient with, even if you go through it and you make a mistake, it's okay. Like, we we can move on. Like, there's people who say I'm afraid of rejection and abandonment. Well, it happened to me, and I'm still here. Like, it, it, it can happen, but life goes on. And it's tough, but it's, it's, it's nothing to, to really, um, yeah, you can fear it, but it, it feels great when you're kind of on the other side and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and try to get as much information as you can. Um, but then try to feel everything as well. Don't be afraid of feeling those feelings and speak out. Like I wish I would have been feistier. Um, and he always says that I was too sassy and too feisty. And I wish I would have like been more <laughs> because that's just who I am. And he, I now see that he was trying to quiet that side down. Um, but yeah, just keep learning and be patient with yourself is what I would say. Um, because it's, it's, a, it's a bumpy road. So Asul, thank you for being here with me today and sharing your story. You did a great job. You're going to help a lot of people. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, you know, thank you very much for being here with me today. Oh, you're welcome. And now, everyone, if you want to be a guest on our show like Azul was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. All of the instructions will be there. You can either fill out that guest form or send us an email that is on the page, which is NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Please do read all of our instructions and send everything in that format. And also at NarcissistApocalypse.com, we have our very own safe social network. So if you need some support at the top of the page at NarcissistApocalypse.com, there is a button that says support group. You click on that button. In there, we have our own forums. We have Zoom meetings every Wednesdays and Saturday nights. We have ad-free episodes. We have bonus episodes. We have closure ceremonies, and we just have a great group of people on there that are there to support you. So please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, support group button. Click that button, and we will see you there. And if you need even more support, please do go to DomesticShelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. DomesticShelters.org offers an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing. And they can connect you with local resources like shelters and find ways for you to heal and move forward. So please do go to DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource. 
And, you know, once again, this is the new year, everyone. Uh, thank you for being a part of uh, my life and everyone's life. If you listen to the show, if you've been a guest on the show, big thank you to everyone. And now uh, I just like to say from Azul and myself, we hope you have a good night.